begin to read verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. As you read this uh, um, chapter 3 about the church of Sardis, you found what I want to talk to you about tonight is a dead church. Now, you got to remember something. A church doesn't mean necessarily a big crowd. A church means one or, one or two are gathered in my name, there I am, Jesus says. That's a church, uh, literally, where we gather together. So it's not a matter of number. It's just a matter of when we gather together in the Lord's name, and we as a church, the Bible says there's dead churches. And I got to study and uh, I found something that's given to us uh, how, what causes a dead church. Now, Jesus said to the New Testament church. Now, I'm not sure that anyone could tell you why the church's hardest were looked upon as a dead church. But when you read the message Jesus sent to it, you find this church had no persecution. That could be the reason that it died. Now, to make no enemies, to have no one against it, to have never have persecution is one of the surest ways to kill a church. I believe, and we can say this uh, with much learning, down through the years the church has been persecuted on every side. But uh, a church is not persecuted. If ever, I had a, a famous preacher tell me years ago, if everybody loves you as a church, you're in trouble. And that's the truth. And so don't, don't feel bad when you're trying to witness to somebody, when you're trying to talk to somebody about the Lord. If they see bad things about you, that's good because you know you're right as long as you, you're saying the right things from the Word of God. Now, uh, again, this church at Sardis suffered a persecution. Or no persecution. It had no opposition. It endured no hardships. This church had it easy. That could be the reason it died. Jesus said, you have a name uh, that, uh, uh, that you live, but you are really alive. You're a dead church. Now, several things are said in the New Testament about the condition of churches and individuals. You'll be honest, and we'll God give God the attention if you think about this, ask yourself this thing. Am I dead? Is the church dead? 
Now, just because we walk around alive is, uh, that we call life does not mean is not the same thing as what the Bible is called and did. Now, I want you to listen. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 13, verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, the question, question is, who are these men? Let's do it again. Matthew 13, 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And you ask the question, who are these men? Now, without any doubt about it, they were God's men. Uh, the light of the world. The Bible said they were the salt of the earth. But Jesus said they slept when they should have been awake. But here in Revelation, Jesus makes a lot worse indictment on this church. They had not only were asleep, but they're dead. Now, if you think it's impossible to have a name that you live in the same time you're dead, notice 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now, God said that you can be dead even while you're living. Now, notice now what constitutes a dead church or a dead individual Christian. Number one, when there is no burden for souls. When there is no burden for souls, a longing, a thirsting, a hunger, or all-absorbing burning passion that people might get saved, constantly, then that church is either dead or dying. Romans chapter 9, if you would please, just back up a little bit. I want to read you something. In Romans chapter 9, and I want to begin to read in verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed for Christ for my brethren that my kinsmen according to my flesh. Now, when you read that, uh, Paul is saying here simply, uh, I want to see souls saved. I want to see men souls saved more than anything on the face of this earth. Now, here it is. We need a burden for souls then. Preachers need a burden for souls. Churches need a burden for souls. No other burden is a sign like this that a church is either dead or dying uh, we have no other manual but the Bible. We have no other headquarters from where to get our literature. We go to the Bible, God's Word. Listen, Psalms 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now listen, then if there's no sowing in tears, and God's Word is true, <coughs> then there's no reaping of joy. God said it. And to many Christians, they have so much pride, uh, so much pride that they don't weep. I was it's a doctor today, and I said, I can't find anything to stop this eye from running water. And when I'm preaching, all I do is run water. I said, wait a minute. I don't mean to say that I don't want to weep while I'm preaching, but I can't see the Bible like I want to because my eyes running water. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to ever get to the place, and I don't want this church to ever get to the place that we can't weep and have compassion over men dying and going to hell. We want to see them saved by God's grace. And that, that's a sign of a live church. And where there's no burden for soul, a church, a Christian, or individual, either dead or dying. Number two, when there's no hunger for the Word of God, that church is dying. 
the church is either dead or dying. One of the most wonderful things about the Bible is what it says about itself. Now, in Psalms 119, uh, the Psalms is the greatest piece of literature ever written. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 stanzas in the 119th Psalm and eight verses in each stanza. Now, from A-L-E-P-H to Z-O-U, and that's in the Hebrew, and I don't know what that means, but between the two, every one of these 22 stanzas begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, no poet ever wrote like that. It has 10 different names for the Bible. Uh, Psalms uh, says uh, it's called the way, the word, the testimonies, the law, the precepts, the statutes, the judgments, the commandments. All of those names in the Psalms 119 are used describing the Bible. And right in the middle of Psalms 119, verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words in my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now listen to me. When a Christian loses that hunger, that longing, that thirsting, that they love the Word of God, brother, they're dying spiritually. And that same goes for the church. Psalms 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, where are the Christians that are constantly hiding God's word in their heart today? I, I was kidding somebody the other day, but I've come to that place. Uh, I, I said, I'm, I've memorized the Bible now, so as what I'm reading it, I can't see it, so I just uh, know what it says. And well, I'll tell you the truth, I've read it so many times that I can tell you just about somebody coming up to me and say, Preacher, where's that verse at? And they'll give me the, the address of the verse, and I don't know where it's at, but I can tell you what page, it, what side of the page it's on. I've read it so many times. I can go there and find it. I wish that I had memorized it all these years. I wish I'd have practiced memorizing the Word of God because I, I love it. First Peter 2, 2 said, As newborn babies desire the sincere miracle of the Word that you may grow thereby. Now again, where are the Christians who desire and hunger uh, for the Word of God? Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, God says that the Word is living. Me and my wife got up the other morning reading the Bible. We were sitting at the table talking about the Bible's a living book. And you know how you know that? Because you can, like I've been going back, and I'm, I'm going back through the Bible just reading every word again as I go through it. And I got over there, and, and I'm reading about Pharaoh and Moses, where Moses is challenging Pharaoh and so on. And I, I looked at things, and I said, I declare, i never seen that before. And I've read it, I don't know how many times, and something new, always there, every time I read it. Every time I read the same old thing, here's something new. You know why? It's a living book. It's a living book. I love it, uh, and it loves me back. I press it, and it uses the blood of Christ. I listen to it, and I hear it breathe. This book is a living book, and a church or individual has no hunger for the Word of God is either dead or dying. We must put this old book where it belongs. Uh, the church is not a club. But the church is a place where God's word is preached. The church is not a business, but a place where God's word is honored. 
it's not only ought to have first place, it ought to have the only place. Everything is second fiddle to the Word of God. It's amazing to me how many times you can ride up and down the road and see on the marquee of churches today what is going to be preached or what's going to be talked about on a Sunday morning service. A man come out, uh, uh, to me the other day and he, uh, he found out I was a preacher. He said, what are you going to talk about today? I said, I don't talk, I preach. And there's a difference. Amen? Preaching is the Word of God. And reading the Word of God. And I believe every word of the Bible said is the Word of God. And everything ought to exalt the Word of God. Every song is to exalt the Christ of the Bible. And a church has no right to exalt it when it does not measure in the preaching of God's Word. When there is no hunger for Christian fellowship is another sign of a church being dead. Hebrews 10.25, and it uh, makes it very plain. It says, forsake not to send yourselves together in the house of God. Now, why should I attend church every time the doors open? One, because God said to. Number two, because Christian fellowship centers around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why I love to go to church, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We come in here and we talk about each other's problems and things that have been going on all day long. But that's not the reason, really, Dan. I want to talk. I want to hear you talk about the Lord. You sure don't find that out there. You find it in the church. You find it when a body of believers come together. We talk about what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing in our life. And, and you better check up if you don't love the fellowship of believers in you, either dead or dying. It's just that simple. That story is told of an old farmer. And I, I want to read this thing to you because I think it's funny. This old farmer would get happy in church, thinking about being saved and going to heaven, and his family being saved and thinking of his loved ones he was going to meet. He just couldn't be still. The new, the new theology preacher sent two or three deacons out to the farm to tell him that if he was going to continue making noise and saying amen, he would have to quit coming to that church. They went out. He was plowing with one old mule and a single stock plow on the, the little rock farm. He stopped his mule and they said, The preacher sent us to tell you that you are making too much fuss in the services. You say amen and praise the Lord. You have to stop it. The old guy took his hat off, leaned over on his plow and said, I am sorry, I really am. I didn't mean to disturb nobody. I sure want to apologize. I wouldn't do anything in the world to hurt the church or cause a burden on my pastor. I'm awful sorry, but you know, I get to thinking about how I used to be a drunkard and on the way to hell, how my family was hungry and needed clothes, and how one day Jesus saved me and I started a new life. I started making a living and putting clothes in, on, on the backs of my little kids and food on my, in their mouth. My wife is so happy. Some of my little children have gone on to heaven. I get to thinking about how someday I'm going to see them in glory. I get to thinking that my name is written in the Lamb Book of Life, and I can almost see Master Jesus up there. Deacons, hold this mute. I'm about to shout. <laughs> I think that's the neatest story I ever read, and I think that's the way it ought to be. Amen. I mean, the day that you get where you can't say praise the Lord and hallelujah, God save my soul and God save my loved one's soul, something wrong with you. Amen? 
And when there is no liberty of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks much about the Holy Spirit. Now, we must have the Holy Spirit in our church. We must have His power and His blessing. We must have the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Ritual leads to grieve in the Holy Spirit. The last Sunday and the Sunday before, I have never felt in this church any freer spirit of the Lord in the church. There's time uh, that uh, you can feel the old devil just working because somebody's mad or somebody's, you know, just a uh, thing going on. I don't know. The world's always carrying on. Uh, but every once in a while you just feel the liberty of the Holy Spirit to preach and you see him working in people's lives. There's nothing like that in the world. I wouldn't want to come to church and I wouldn't want to preach. I wouldn't want to pastor if I did not know the Holy Spirit was going to work when I preached and when we met together. We must have His presence working. And some churches try so hard to dignify that they leave out the Word uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want God to move in every service. I need the liberty of the Holy Spirit and so do you. Now, listen. The Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, I can't understand the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, no sinner's going to get saved. Without the Holy Spirit working with the Word of God and in each bit of your heart, nobody's going to be moved to repent of their sins and change their life. We must have the Holy Spirit in service. Uh, the next thing is what makes a dead church is when the joy of the Lord is gone. And this church is dead. Now, when there is no spirit of prayer, that church is dead. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. You know, every time I come to church, in, most likely every time I come to church, somebody comes up to me and says, Preacher, I had to answer the prayer today, or this week, or the past, just lately. They'll tell me about something that God answered their prayer. Now, folks, I still didn't believe. I still believe in answered prayer. I still believe in prayer. And the day that you get where you don't want to pray and ask God to do something in the church, and by the way, every time we meet, we ought to come into church in a in a in a, a, a mindset of praying for each other and for somebody that's not here or couldn't be here. We ought to be praying for the preacher to preach right. And all these kind of things were to be in a, in a spirit of prayer all the time, and God will bless. Now, where there's no willingness to serve with sacrifice, that's a dead church. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, If any man will come after us, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, Revelation 3, verse 1, Thou hast a name that thou livest, and are dead. Now, folks, I don't want to ever get to the place that I'm dead spiritually. I mean, I want this church to be alive. I want to be alive spiritually all the time. And I pray all the time, Lord, if I'm the only one there, or if there's two there, or there's three, or there's more there, I'm going to still preach the same old thing. Ever since I had a man come up to me the other day that visited the church, and he said, you beat anything I've ever seen, preacher. If they, the church has got a bunch of people, or if they got two or three, you preach the same way. That's the way it ought to be. Because I don't know what the Lord's going to do. It was just a few weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, a man came up to me 
and, and told me, what a message. He said, you, you just spoke right to my heart. I didn't speak to his heart. I just preached it. God spoke to his heart. And that's what I want. Every time we meet. Amen. And I want him to speak to my heart. And the way we do that, we, we just keep on trying for the Lord. Don't give up. Just keep on keeping on for the Lord. And he blesses. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. I want a live church. I went to a Methodist church when, years ago, and I, I, it, it changed my whole outlook on a church. I used to pitch fast pitch softball in the City League, and this Methodist church was one of the best teams in the City League, and they wanted me to pre, uh, pitch for them. And they said, now, Mr. Strong, to pitch for our team, you've got to come to church at least once a month. And I said, well, I can do that. Lord, I don't know how to go to church. That's before I got saved, by the way. And so I went to church just so I could pitch softball for that team because they won the city league. And uh, so I, I went there, and I never will forget. That church, big church, and one of these kind of went down here and come up, you know, and the preacher was up here, and, and uh, he got up there, and he, he folded his hands like this, looked straight ahead, and said a little few words of prayer. I never did see him open the Bible enough, said a few words, and you could have heard a pin drop in that place. I don't think nobody turned a page of a book. If you did, it probably throwed you out. And they didn't nobody say amen. And nobody shook your hand and said, good to have you. And I never will forget, I went into Sunday school class with them, and the teacher got up there and taught a little bit on prayer. And then he said, uh, fellas, let's go out on the front porch and have a smoke now before we go in. And I said, crying out loud, and they called this church. That ain't church. That's a dead church. Amen? And I don't want to be dead. Amen? And so when somebody says amen in church, don't get all cold and afraid somebody's going to run down the pew. I ain't seen nobody do that yet in here. If you do, I'll throw something at you, but we'll keep on going. <laughs> we'll have a good time. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so glad tonight we're saved. We're so glad we're alive. And Lord, I feel your presence every day in my life, and I want the, the people of God just to enjoy your salvation and let it be known to those around us. We love you, we want to serve you, and we want to be the Christian we ought to be and the church we ought to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Shake hands with somebody, please.